welcome to the Enchanted Ears podcast. Where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe. Toss a coin to your favorite podcast host, because I'm very excited. The Witcher soundtrack came out this week, <laughs> so I can download and listen to Toss a Coin to Your Witcher. Oh my gosh. All the time now. This is actually bad news for me. This is the most exciting <laughs> thing that's ever happened to me, the non-Disney related. I'm so excited about this. Can you quantify for me exactly what it is about the? No, I don't even know. Nothing. That's how. That is how incredible the song is. I don't even know why I love it so much, but for some (laughs) reason, I love it so much. And it's gotten like scale one to ten. How do you feel? Like like a fifty. Like that's the greatest (laughs) song ever written. It should win. It should egot. (laughs) <laughs> the song itself yes the song itself she got do you think that the witcher would be a good broadway musical i think just that song for two hours would be a great broadway musical <laughs> i mean the thing is i've i've now watched so many different versions of it on youtube and anytime the metal version is my favorite and anytime like there's an article about the song specifically or the witcher on facebook i've clicked on it that now i just get like every witcher <laughs> article coming up on my facebook feed it's, like sponsored recommended for you so basically you it, like it goes but back and forth between that and me undies not a sponsor <laughs> for you yeah i get a ton of me undies ads because, it's because i bought them yeah, and bought now them. now i subscribe to them again not a sponsor but if you'd like to sponsor us i'd love to pedal your gear yeah if the witcher wants to sponsor us they- <laughs> <laughs> if henry cavill wants to sponsor me i'm cool with it see for, he's a fan of the show too we have the rock <laughs> henry, henry cavill now. uh chris hemsworth yeah exactly we have we have some great ones so i guess while we're on this you know sidetrack of non-disney stuff <laughs> another thing i'm very excited about they finally announced just up the street from disney universal studios super mario oh is coming gosh. to the new theme park up there and it's gonna be great because that's supposed to be like the biggest one i, think I am very rides. excited for this and i do think you say it's not disney related but i actually i can make this disney related because well it's when, a direct response in the, in the same well, right. way galaxy's edge was a direct response to harry potter this is a direct response to galaxy's edge exactly and every time one of them ups the ante it makes the other one up the ante even more so i'm excited to see what they come out with and the new technology that they have because the N- nintendo world already is rich with super mario and uh, Link and all the other things that they're going to be able to pull into the land, and then it, once that happens, Disney's going to have to, you know, fire some shots too. Yeah, so it'll well, be I mean, you're right. The more people that go to Orlando, they both uh, Comcast they can share. and Disney just put more money in the parks. Right. I mean, then you have SeaWorld. They're like the uh, the, the black stepchild. Sheep. Yeah, like the redheaded stepchild of the three. But yeah, I mean, they're well, just spe- let's call it black sheep. They're they're just they're just spending money, you know, back and forth to up it. Um, yeah. Now, if it does really well, that might, like, again, if a few episodes ago, I predicted that Disney won't build another park in Orlando. They won't build a fifth gate in Orlando. I but, literally don't even remember what I predicted. Did I say that they would just add extensions? I, I don't know that you oh, predicted anything about I think I said Zootopia. I think I said yeah. Zootopia. But if, if this does really well, you know, maybe they will have to, to build a fifth gate. So, all right. Yeah. Before we jump officially into Disney news this week. I uh, just want to mention, since you're listening to this podcast, chances are you like other podcasts. So if you're looking for <laughs> for other kind of, you know, fun uh, and interesting podcasts to listen to, um, you know, this week's show is, is kind of brought to you in part by a podcast called Banter. I hardly know her. Hosted by a couple guys, Wes and Perry. They've actually listened to the show. Um, so they kind of reached out and, you know, they're going to, you know, give us a shout out on their show. We're giving them a shout out on our show. Yeah. 
And they're, they're like, they're pretty like, they're a baby podcast. They haven't been around very long, but their chemistry, I, I listened to some of their episodes and their chemistry is incredible and they're funny. So go check them out. They, they have really interesting yeah, they have, topics. I was going to say, they have a lot of great shows. It's not all Disney, but they do talk a lot about Disney. I believe it is uh, Perry, who's a former Disney cast member. One of them is. So, so Disney comes in a lot, but they do a lot of interesting takes of like top tens and draft episodes. Uh, they have some episodes on like Frozen and like designing your own Disney park. And they actually have one episode coming out this week. It'll be, I believe, tomorrow, actually. I will definitely be listening to this. With, uh, with Tom Bancroft, who's a legendary Disney animator. He's worked on Mulan, The Lion King, your favorite movie. I'm like literally, Aladdin. you're telling me these things and I'm getting chills, like actual chills. This is incredible. Yeah, you were upset. You're like, man, how do you, how'd they get him on this show? I know. like the li- You probably have so many questions for I him. I have like, so what was it like drawing Scar? Questions. What was it like doing this? Did you ever like <laughs> pretend you were the characters? <laughs> Do you do you, you LARP as Scar? Could you please draw me into, <laughs> can into you please, a scene? Can you please draw my face onto Scar's body? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. So, again, their their podcast is called Banter. I hardly know her. Check it out wherever you get your podcast. It's a great podcast to listen to. So. All right. So, jumping into Disney news now. Uh, a lot of Disney news, actually, this week. So, the one thing... Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run in Orlando is going to be offering fast passes starting February 19th. So anybody planning a trip, stop what you're doing. (laughs) Go try to get your fast passes now. Rise of the Resistance still is not offering fast passes. And I think they they still need to get their capacity up. Because once you start offering fast passes, it actually makes the lines longer. Mm-hmm. Because you're trying to get all those fast pass people in there. So they still have the virtual queue. It's open at Disneyland now with the virtual queue. So I think it'll be some time before we get fast passes there. But we can at least get a fast pass on Millennium Falcon. And with that, they've changed the tiers at Hollywood Studios. So before you could only get one like tier one attraction, which was basically all the thrill rides. And then you could get two tier twos, which was all the shows. So they've changed it. So you can either get Millennium Falcon or Slinky Dog. That's tier one. And then everything else is tier two. So you can you can now get Tower of Terror and Aerosmith Rock and Roller Coaster or Toy Story Mania. You could potentially get two or three of those. Whereas before, mm-hmm. if you got Tower of Terror, the only other things you could get were like the Indiana Jones stunt show or something else like that. Um, so so they've, they've switched it up a little bit. Uh, the other thing is over at Disneyland, they're going to be building a pizza planet in Tomorrowland. Oh, my. So that, that's Wait, gonna... how have they not had a pizza planet? Well, they did have a pizza planet in uh, Hollywood Studios, which they then converted over to a Muppet-themed pizza restaurant. But I don't know that it was like a full recreation of pizza planet. So they're going to be putting one into Disneyland now. So it's going to be taking the place of the, the pizza shop that's already in Tomorrowland. So they're going to be retheming it. Like okay. they're going to have the claw and everything. So that, that's pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah. So that, that is actually pretty exciting. I, I don't know. I'm upset we didn't get to go to the one in Hollywood studios before they switched it over to the Muppet themed one. But I think that mm-hmm. it should be pretty, pretty nice. I think they'll do a nice job in Disneyland. Yeah. It's incredible because we, you know, that like every Pixar movie essentially has the Pizza Planet truck. So now it's just it's become this legendary thing. You don't even have to love Toy Story. It's just it's a staple of Pixar. So just for them to be in the parks actually is fantastic. Yep. 
So the last piece of news... Well, you have a mischievous look on your face. Well, I was going to say, yes. The last piece of news here is that we may be going back to steal the Declaration of Independence again <laughs> because Disney is apparently working on National Treasure 3, which I say to this about time, Disney. <laughs> what have you been waiting on? I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. Because, <laughs> you know, we had National Treasure 2, I want to say... I mean, 10 plus years ago at this point. I mean, it, it's been quite a while. And that movie set up a third national treasure. And and I think the national treasure franchise did, I mean, really well. The first one is an incredible movie. The second one's, you know, pretty good as well. And I think, I mean, I thought we would get have gotten a third one long before this, but it sounds like it's in development now. I'm sure Nicolas Cage is very excited. Yeah, I mean, those are great movies. So I'm, I'm really excited to... Uh, to get back into this. So hopefully that happens in a couple years. We get another national treasure movie. Yeah. Well, there's, I mean, I think jungle cruise is kind of a treasure hunter kind of movie, but now that the pirates of the Caribbean franchise seems to be dead, um, they do need that. Like they need to kind of bring that back. Yeah. And I mean the, the second one, it was called book of secrets and they really didn't get too much into the book of secrets. You know, I think like they got the book, but like it didn't really deliver on the premise. I mean, there was a whole book. It was set up that there were, you know, there was more in the book that they covered. I think even the president at the time said, um, you know, hey, to to Nicolas Cage's character, Benjamin Gates said, hey, did you see that thing on page 50 or whatever, you know, some page number? And he was like, oh, yeah. And he was like, it was setting it up like, hey, there's another, there's more tales and adventures to go just from this one book. So so I don't yeah. know if if this third one will take it in that direction or it'll be some completely new direction. But I'm pretty excited about this. Yeah, it'll be. It should be. Should be interesting. Can't wait till National Treasure One gets on Disney Plus in a couple months. <laughs> That's gonna be a good time. So, all right. So uh, on today's main topic, we are going to be discussing, and this is kind of news as well that came out. So uh, everybody knows, maybe not everybody knows, but I think a lot of people probably know that the rise of Skywalker it was directed by J.J. Abrams was originally scheduled to be directed by Colin Trevorrow who did uh, Jurassic World and uh, two years ago maybe he was I don't know if he was fired or it was an amicable split between uh, you know he and Lucasfilm but uh, he was removed from directing duties and J.J. Abrams was brought in to you know rework the movie and, and be the director and, you know, at the time, that was close to whenever that happened with Solo. And they, you know, Ron Howard uh, came in because uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller were removed from directors. Now, they had filmed, you know, probably 80% of the Solo movie uh, whenever they left and Ron Howard came in. And, uh, you know, Solo is probably one of the worst movies in the franchise. Um Ooh, I don't know if we could say one of the worst. Yeah, so it, it's. it's I, I mean, I'm not there. a Rogue One fan, but I could see why people enjoyed Rogue One. Uh, I cannot see why anybody really would enjoy Solo. Solo. Yeah, so so that happened, and then you know, shortly after that, around that time, you know, it was announced Colin Trevorrow was leaving, and so it's, it was kind of like, hey, you no know, shade if you liked. Solo. Yeah, right. But, but, it, but it was like, yeah. hey, what's what's going on? Yeah. You know, the, a lot of fans didn't like The Last Jedi. And so, and and maybe, you know, Colin Trevorrow leaving was a reaction to that. They're like, hey, we have to, you know, change course on the last movie. So, and again, you know, we talked about The Rise of Skywalker. If you want to hear our, our spoiler kind of special, you can head over to our Patreon where we, you know, talk about that. I think it's safe to say we liked the movie. We didn't love it. 
Um, yeah. You know, it, it, it was okay, but I think it could have been better. Well, it came out this week that the script that Colin Trevorrow wrote somehow leaked. And uh, this was a, a YouTuber by the name of Rob Burnett. And he is uh, been in the film industry as a writer, producer for many years. And he has a, a YouTube channel where he does streaming. He talks about movies. And I got to say, if you're interested in movies at all, I would check it out. It's really interesting. I mean, the first 20 minutes of this video, he didn't talk about uh, Colin Trevorrow's script at all, but he was just talking about kind of how movies are made and how being in Hollywood, you can get your hands on any script. And after, after a movie's produced, he's like, nobody cares about it. He had, he had mentioned that he had seen, or he has a, a early draft of Empire Strikes Back, which was huh. different than the final version. And so he said, you know, there's so many scripts floating around and being in Hollywood that again, it's like one, if the movie's in production, it might be hard to get to, but afterwards you can get it. So he somehow got his hands on the script. He didn't want to say how, but it was just interesting to kind of hear how, you know, Hollywood works kind of the behind the scenes stuff. Huh. Yeah. That's interesting. So, so he did a, you know, an hour, two hour long video where he kind of dissected this script. And at the time, you know, he didn't want to say where he got it from. So it was hard to confirm, but it seems like it's legit. Because uh, other websites have been confirming the validity that the script exists. And there's some um, concept art that came out that Colin Trevorrow even confirmed as legitimate concept art from the movie, which Mm -hmm. I'm very surprised about that he would come out and say, like, yeah, that's real. And it ties in well with some of the plot points. I I don't know what kind of deal he would have because, I mean, there has to be some sort of clause in his contract that would – it's kind of like a silencer clause, but I do almost feel like it's vindication for him to say, yeah, Disney, you got rid of me. Lucasfilm, you got rid of me. And the movie I would have put out is better than the movie you put out. So I think that's probably, I mean, that's my feeling is he feels confident in his work. And again, all he was doing was confirming that the concept art was real, Yeah, you know, and, and it's, you know, and I guess, you know, to, to Rob Burnett's point here, Hey, the rise of Skywalker's out. Like this other movie's not getting made as much as I want it to be made. Yeah, Joe. Joe said to me that he was like, "Oh, we should start a um, what was it? A Kickstarter." Yeah, that's gonna be a common theme of this <laughs> is how much I want this movie to be made. But yeah, going back to it, you know, he he kind of confirmed it. So I I think at this point it's like, hey, whatever. So what I thought would would be you know kind of interesting is there's so many good points, plot points in this, and I think we both ultimately think, hey, this is would be a better movie than what we got. And I and think a lot, of, a lot of people said that too, that we'll kind of you know discuss some of that. Yeah, and a lot of the things that were dropped from this movie that didn't really make a lot of sense that they were dropped seem to actually come full circle in this movie, which we'll get into. Yeah, and so b- before, we, before we go any further, we'll be talking about plot points of this movie, how it relates to The Rise of Skywalker. So there could potentially be some spoilers for the rise of Skywalker. I mean, we're not going to get into, you know, all of the, the deep details of rise of Skywalker, but some of this movie rise of Skywalker pulls some elements from this movie and varies in other ways. So I think in discussing that, we're going to naturally, we're going to naturally have some spoilers into them. Yeah. So so if you haven't seen the movie, you you may want to skip ahead or if you don't care to see it, you know, listen on, but, or if you don't care about spoilers, True. I feel like me don't care about spoilers. So, but I, I do find it interesting because Colin Trevorrow did get a 
a script credit or a writing credit on The Rise of Skywalker. And it's kind of easy to see because there is a lot from his script that he laid out that made it into the final movie. I mean, just like real quickly, like Lando was in it. Um, you know, Han Solo was in it. Uh, you know, Leia, Leia played a big part, again, with her connection with Kylo Ren. A lot of those elements mm-hmm. ended up being in that final, in the, in the you know, Rise of Skywalker, the final movie. But a lot of stuff didn't. I will say, I think why I like this movie better is because it ties into The Last Jedi. I mean, as yeah. much as if the fans you know, didn't like The Last Jedi and Lucasfilm was trying to course correct, it makes the... That, that's my biggest problem with The Rise of Skywalker. It's so disjointed that it doesn't feel like a sequel to what came before. And whether you like it or not, you have to build off of the previous movie. You just can't be like nothing ever happened and just go your own way. Well, I mean, I, I think that there's an argument to be made to be made here where think of Pirates of the Caribbean. And now I know a lot of people don't like the second and third movies, but the second movie was a movie that was vastly not liked. And a lot of it was because of that ending um, being like a non ending. It seemed more like a plot, a plot point in the, a larger movie than it was an end. But you know, whenever you look at that in context with the third movie, it makes a lot of sense. And so to your point, it's really important that you follow through with the storyline and don't just say, oh, well, they didn't like it. So we're going to completely drop everything because then it looks even more disjointed. Exactly. So, so the, the beginning of this movie starts with uh, Rose, who has a a much bigger role. We kind of talked about this on our, on our Uh spoilers podcast of this, but they came out and said a lot of her scenes were with Leia. And then when they they didn't have the quality of video that they wanted with recreating the scenes with Leia, that unfortunately her scenes got cut. So it wasn't like, you know, they relegated her to some minor part. It was just kind of an un- unfortunate cut whenever uh, they like had a, to get rid like of Like a byproduct yeah. of, That's what, of what happened. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it is a it was a massive disappointment because out of the second movie – Rose was probably the highlight. She was she was the best part of that movie and the, the most interesting character for I think a lot of people moving forward. So to see her her character being stunted was really difficult. Right. So she has a lot more to do. She actually goes on one on one of the missions, but the scene opens with Finn and Poe and Ray ultimately stealing a Star Destroyer. So they're Mm -hmm. on some mission. It goes awry. And they ultimately, with BB-8, steal a Star Destroyer, which, (laughs) I mean, if you think about it, that would just be an incredible sequence to see on screen. And then they fly it back to the Resistance base, and they're like, what are you talking about? Like when this this giant Star Destroyer lands. And so I think that is... Would just be an incredible opening scene to have. The opening it's, crawl kind of outlines that the First Order has basically taken over the galaxy, which I think makes sense because at the end of The Last Jedi, the Resistance is basically gone. It's a handful of people. So it makes sense that the First Order is kind of ruling with an iron fist at this point. It's epic on the same scale that you would expect to see something in a Star Wars movie being epic. So it, it seems more par for the course than what we got. Right, exactly. So so they steal it. and. Right at the beginning of the movie, it's also revealed that Rey, and again, getting into spoilers here for Rise of Skywalker, but the lightsaber we see at the end of the Rise of Skywalker, where it was built into her staff, she actually we see she has it at the beginning of the movie, and it's actually a double-bladed lightsaber uh, a la Darth Maul. 
But so she nice. so she uses her her staff to build a, a two a lightsaber, but she has it in the whole movie, which I think is so much better than kind of what they did in the Rise of Skywalker, where it, it, to to a point it almost seemed forced that like she had to use Leia's lightsaber, which we didn't know existed at any point in time <laughs> until the minute it was given to her, or that she had to use Luke's lightsaber in that final battle with Palpatine. I think it would have it would have made so much more sense because, you know, in Star well, Wars canon, Jedi have built their own lightsabers. Like everybody has their own unique lightsaber. I mean even Kylo Ren had the cross bar lightsaber. Why not give her in nine her own lightsaber? You know, let yeah. you know, make it her staff the whole time. Don't wait till the end as, you know, a quick, you know, one second you know, blink and you missed it, that it's her staff <laughs> when, I mean, if we, if we really are to believe they're not gonna make any more movies, yeah, you know, we're not going to have that. I mean, imagine what they could have done to have that. I mean, let, let her forge her own path a little bit. Exactly. So I, I think, I think just the beginning of it, it would have started off so much better. All right. So then Kylo Ren at the start of this movie. And I, I love this. I think this is uh, a great, take on the character and makes so much more sense leading from the last Jedi but we see him he's on I believe Mustafar which he's on Mustafar at the <laughs> well, start that's, of that's Mufasa's dad's name <laughs> I'm never gonna I'm gonna think of that every time I hear Mustafar now well in this case it is Darth well, Vader's maybe it's Jafar's dad's name because it's kind of like a com- it's, it's like a combination of the two. Far? Okay, okay, I see where you're going. But in this case, it is where Darth Vader had his castle built. So w- the Rise of Skywalker actually does open on Mustafar, but but we see Kylo Ren on Mustafar, and we find out quickly that he is haunted by the Force Ghost of Luke Skywalker. Do people who live on Mustafar are they called Mustafarians, like <laughs> Rastafarians? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if there's many people that live on Mustafar, but I like it. We're gonna, you know what? We're gonna say that's canon. They're Mustafarians. All right. So, yeah, but so I think this is this is great. And Colin Trevorrow, like I said, uh, he he directed the Jurassic World movie, and then I believe he wrote. I don't think he directed, but he wrote the second Jurassic World movie, which. Jurassic Park franchise has a kind of horror feel to it. So yeah. this is kind of where he's going with this script is he's being haunted by Luke. So it's a much more dark horror feel to it. And and maybe that's one of the reasons why Lucasfilm didn't like the direction they were taking it. I'm not, I'm not sure, but, but that's kind of one of the, the bigger differences. But I think that's great because even at the end of The Last Jedi, I mean, Luke tells Kylo, you know, see you around kid or I'll see you again. And that line goes nowhere because Luke's basically yep. not even a presence in the rise of Skywalker, but to have, I mean, to have if him, I could say, you know, if I say me not liking Luke Skywalker, yeah, I could have had a little more Luke, you know, there wasn't very much at all. Right. And so, yeah, just the fact that he's back and he's basically, and, and he's haunting him from Kylo Ren's perspective, he's haunting him because he's trying to bring Ben out. He's trying to bring him back to the light side. So it's not really that he's, you know, some like evil spirit, but it's just when you're on the dark side and you're trying to be pulled to the light, you see it as, you know, haunting. And I just, I think that would be so good because Adam Driver uh, plays that underneath anger so well. He, he brought that to Kylo Ren, kind of that, that like, that aggression, that, 
brooding emotion to it that I think to have him kind of just descend more into madness where mm-hmm. you know he's off on his own he's kind of abandoned the first order because he's tracking down this power to crush the resistance and to take over the galaxy but then he has Luke following him around I think Adam Driver would have just done so well with that right. and it would have been such a good fit with his character he's just such a dynamic actor It he could handle more out of and do more with that character than what they ended up doing with him. Right. And I think, and and kind of jumping to the end, so jumping around a little bit, in in Colin Trevorrow's version, at least in this script, he does not get redeemed. I mean, Ben does not... No Ben Demption. Yeah, there's no Ben Demption. It actually ends with a forced ghost of Luke and Yoda basically saying, you know, Ben is, is gone and they have to base... They, I think they use the term extinguish Kylo Ren because there's no saving him. And that's kind of part of the movie too, is Ray still thinks there's good in him. He can be saved. But then finally at the end, they realize, Hey, there's no saving him. It's almost like, and this is, I know that this is a tough thing for Disney to do um, because it is very hard. You want to always have that message of hope in a Disney movie. Um, Because I I mean, Bob Iger, we watched uh, one day in, in, Disney or what was it? It's what's called one day. Yeah, One day at Disney. Yeah. One day at Disney last, like last night. And one of the things he said is they, they package and sell happiness. You know, that's their job. So in order for them to say, there's no hope for this guy, they can't have that. So they have to do almost like, I mean, not to bring it back to my favorite movie, of course, but they have to do it in almost like a scar sense where, you know, Simba offers his paw. He offers to allow scar to stick around and to live. And he, even though he he's done some terrible things and then due due to come, you know him being unable to accept that Simba um, basically unintentionally throws him off the cliff and he survives but then something else takes care of him yeah and i think you know they could have done something similar and and again this might be another reason why you know Lucasfilm and Disney didn't ultimately like this script because they liked the idea of the bendemption better but i mean you have palpatine he he's evil he's never redeemed and yeah you, you know they they ultimately defeat and kill him twice in this series and we thought you know he was dead after 6 and and now you know uh ray defeats him again in 9 so i mean they they could have done something like that where Again, this whole movie, you know, Ray thinks she can she can help him. She thinks there's still good in him. Luke is obviously trying to bring the good out to him. And they just realize as much as they try, you know, the darkness, Kylo Ren just pushes back more and more to the point where they realize he's never going to stop. So we have to stop him. He's and relentless. Th- yeah. And I think they could have done that. Uh, and it would have been, you know, much better. So I think those, you know, couple things, just just that I think is so much more interesting because with the rise of Skywalker and as I was, you know, listening to this description of it and, and as we, you know, think more, we kind of talked in, when we did the spoiler special, there's very little conflict in the rise of Skywalker. It, it's just, it's one kind of quest after another. Let's find a dagger to find a holocron, to find Palpatine. Whereas this has a lot more conflict. It's it's the conflict of of Luke and Kylo Ren. It's the conflict of Rey. Does she want to be a Jedi? It's sort of, and I think that this, this is really a serious concern of Disney's as they move forward and as they acquire more and more companies that have a, a, a different sort of feel to them is their identity. I mean, they really have to sort out, and for the most part, they usually 
have it. Like with their Marvel universe, they know who they are and they they've got it unlocked, but they are really struggling to figure out who they are Star Wars wise because they have to try to balance that, you know, the hope with also we need to make something that is a f- space with and fantasy with a lot of um, conflict and people might be ir- irredeemable. It's a little more true to life. Right. I mean, you're always going to have a villain like you you have mm-hmm. to have a villain and, and that's why you know they brought palpatine in out of nowhere because i mean the, the trilogy was heading to kylo ren being the villain with snoke being killed in eight it, the main villain left was kylo ren and i guess for whatever reason they decided again they wanted the the, the ben Demption more and so they said hey who can we bring in that's we don't want to introduce a new character so let's just let's just bring palpatine back but to your point on, on marvel and I mentioned this before. The great thing about Marvel is, yes, it's been 22 movies, but it's not 22 movies about the same five characters. Yeah. You know, where Star Wars, we have all these movies, it's about the same core group of characters where The Last Jedi started to expand the universe by saying Rey is no one. Anybody could kind of be a force a user. A girl is no one. We got a little bit of that in Rogue One, too, because yeah. they had non-Jedi force users, and they kind of squashed that in The Rise of Skywalker, whereas... In you know Colin Trevorrow's version, Ray stayed no one. Yeah, she stayed somebody. She wasn't related to Palpatine. Palpatine's in it briefly in a holocron hologram, but that's it. Right, and this is something I really wanted to talk about. You know that gr- a girl is no one, and just like in Game of Thrones, which where that quote is from, right. it really that went nowhere. I mean, it just like Game of Thrones, you know, Arya gets all this training to be that faceless girl. Well, that's and then another thing that it didn't end very well. It, it never, it never comes to fruition. You never get to see her use that skill. You even like people had the the thought, oh, maybe it wasn't Jon Snow. Maybe it was Arya the whole time. That oh, right, like, at yeah, the very because end, she could be anybody. She could be you, anybody. You and it didn't, you're right. It didn't really come and into it, a huge and, impact. Yeah, and it seemed like that was really setting up for her to go off the deep end, but really. She tries really hard, but she her character kind of fizzled out at the very end instead of ending on a strong note. So and and the same thing kind of you know it, the same thing goes for Ray where they're setting it up and it's like you know we don't know her parentage it's fine but it would have been really nice if they would have found out that she was just an average Joe because that I do think goes with the Disney message again an average Jane in this case yeah an average Jane right. yeah. Because, I mean, anybody can be extraordinary. It's just a matter of your mindset and the, like, the amount of, that you're willing to put in. Anybody could be somebody if you pull yourself up. And right. I think that that is something that they really could have put out there with Ray and sold it and packaged it. And it would have been a good lesson. And it's a very true lesson. And they dropped the ball. Yeah, and I think even with Palpatine returning in The Rise of Skywalker... They didn't have to make her a Palpatine. I mean, if, if they keep her as a nobody, that movie's still pretty much the same. It still works. They could have made it work with her not being related to Palpatine. Well, right. But then they wanted, but they they needed that back backstage broodiness. And so instead of making Kylo the broody one, uh, it's it's Rey instead because now she's battling with that identity of being a Palpatine. Yeah, and she was already battling with the identity of whether she was good enough to be a Jedi and and this. And I forgot to mention uh, earlier, but the title of Colin Trevorrow's movie was Duel <sighs> of the Fates, which that is, is an incredible. Yes, it's that a, that is a much better title than any. Sorry, but any other Star Wars movie. Yeah, it's a great title on so many levels. It's a callback to what may be the greatest lightsaber fight of all time in the Phantom Menace, John Williams' terrific song, Duel the Fates. It's a callback to that. It's also 
a great encapsulation of the theme of this movie of the, the duel of the two fates between Kylo and Rey. Are they going to be pulled to the light? Are they going to be pulled to the dark? They've been intertwined for these three movies and it's, you know, what, what is going to play out? You know, mm-hmm. because like I said, you know, Kylo's haunted, but in the same respect in this movie, Duel of the Fates, Rey is very much struggling with, be, does she want to be a Jedi? Is she a Jedi? And she even, and Luke, Force Ghost Luke is training her and she even mentions to him, you know, you talk about balance and this is one thing I've said a lot. They talk about balance, but when you uh, have, when you have the light extinguish the dark yes. and the dark extinguish the light, that's not balance. Having right. Jedi and Sith isn't balance. Having, having the first order destroyed and having Rey be a Jedi at the end of the rise of Skywalker, that's not balance. And she right. mentions that. And, and Luke, you know, kind of says, Hey, that's, and again, this is in Colin Trevorrow's version. Hey, that is, um, that's just the anger talking, but she's like, you know, you you say that that's balance. Thousands of Jedi's before you said it's balance, but she's not sure if she believes it, and so she has that crisis. And so you kind of get, you still get that and, like dark ray moment, but it, it's more, it's it's character driven, right? And I, I mean, I I do think, yeah, like you have made this comment before to me, like about the balance of the force thing where you're like, well, the good guys can't just completely extinguish the bad because you know, yin and yang, you need to have the good with the bad. So I do think, again, that's another line that they've made that they just made a throwaway line, but it could have meant something. Exactly. Exactly. So, so like I said, Ray's still no one actually turns out that Kylo was the one that killed her parents, which I think is, a, is an interesting twist. Uh, Snoke had him do it. It's, it's an interesting twist, but we see Kylo. It, it, it definitely does create more, um, more conflict for her because then now when she does have to have that battle with Kylo, just again, not to draw it back to Simba, but she's having that mental, you know, even though, you know, she has to be having that mental battle of, this person killed my father. This person killed my mother. And I am now having to try to show mercy to this person. Should I just kill them? Should I end them and get my revenge? Is that going to make me happy? And I mean, yeah, like to your point, that makes it very interesting as opposed to kind of what did end up. Yeah. It, it's much more character driven as opposed to just finding a thing and doing another thing. It's much more it's much more the conflict between the characters. Now there definitely are missions. So on the resistance side of things, we have Finn and uh, Rose, I think going with maybe R2 and C3PO to, to start a beacon to send Leia's message out to the galaxy to kind of rebel the troops to rise against the first order. So a similar thing we saw in the rise of Skywalker, they're trying to recruit an army essentially. So we see them on a mission together, but that's really like the main th- you know, thing that it, it's, it's a mission. Star Wars has missions where we see Ray trying to figure out what she needs to do. She doesn't know where she needs to go. She doesn't know the next steps. And we see her and Poe go out, and they kind of drill down somehow they have they, they find like a seer that can extract memories from her. And basically it, it ends up that that she ends up and Kylo ends up as well. And he actually went off to do uh, some training. So there's a, a new character called Tor Valum. And this was where Palpatine comes in. So he he finds a hologram that was meant for Darth Vader, saying, Take, you know, Luke kind of as a backup if Palpatine should die to go to Torvalum Torvalum, to train. Torvalum looks kind of like if you take a um, praying mantis 
And, and this is in the concept art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can actually, I put a link to the concept art on our Facebook page. So if you go to our Facebook at Enchanted Ears Podcast, you can find a link to all this concept art. Right, right. So he, yeah, he kind of, he has a praying mantis kind of head and then maybe a little bit of predator in there. Um, yeah, he's a little, no, yeah, he's, he's very interesting looking. I, I think I'd like to call him Mr. Sharpface. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a unique character and he goes and trains with them and we have a scene that is reminiscent to Luke's training in Dagobah Ugh. where, and, and again, so this is such a great way to tie all these this movies together. This is such a great scene. Or he fights Darth Vader. Yes. Yeah, this is where you're going. And, and it's not actually Darth Vader, but again, it's like the Dagobah scene. And, and it's described as, uh, you know, Rob describes it as a very brutal scene in which Kylo loses. And I again, a theme through this podcast, make this movie, please. To your point, yes. let's get a Kickstarter and get this started. Now, you mentioned when I talked about Kickstarter that... Disney probably would never allow this to be made. So we need to change well, people's names. Let's well, I, I think let's just change any names. Instead of Kylo Ren, Kylo's like uh it's a mix between Skywalker and Solo. So let's call him um I, I suggested Gyro. No, you don't want to call Gyro. It, it's the end of it's part of Skywalker and part of Solo. Let's call him uh Slow Walker Fern. <laughs> Or something. I don't know. Wow. We need better names, but let's change the names a little bit. And make this because yeah, I mean to see a battle between uh, Darth Vader and Kylo Ren because Kylo Ren idolized them, mm-hmm. and and then to get defeated by him, I think would just be absolutely right. Incredible. And it would be a really good again another great plot point, uh, a driving force to Kylo Ren. You know, realizing I'm not good enough. Still, I can't beat Darth Vader. Like it just creates so much more interest than was in the movie. Like, I don't know, just, just to the point, you know, I always make, I kind of make fun of you sometimes whenever this is, this is a little behind the scenes look, but you know, I might say, Hey Joe, what are we going to be talking about this week? And Joe will say, Oh, you know, star Wars, this, star Wars that. And I go, Oh my gosh, are we talking about star Wars again? And of course I always get into it. And I like it, but I, I've said it before. Star Wars isn't really my favorite Disney property. It's cool. And I like it. But, um, this week I, you talked to me about this and I said, why don't we make this an episode? And I think you kind of even looked at me weird and you're like, really? And I'm like, yeah, this is an yeah, incredible topic right. because this is, I mean, I feel pretty passionate about this. I, this would have been a fantastic film. Fantastic. Yeah, I want to get this made. We got to get the script and get this thing made. So, but it ultimately ends up that they, that, that Kylo and, and Ray end up on Mortis, which Rigor. It, no. <laughs> so if if you've watched the the Clone Wars, if you watch the animated series, there are a few episodes that deal with Mortis. And I think a lot of people before episode nine came out thought that this would play a part of it. They thought that in the trailers, the dagger that Ray had was the dagger of Mortis, which again played a role in the animated series of the Clone Wars and Rebels. But it ultimately, it wasn't. It was just a, a Sith dagger. But essentially, Mortis is a planet or a place that the entire force flows through. So this is kind of like the center of the force somewhat. And, and so there, there are three immortal beings on Mortis. And this is all kind of played on the animated series. So, and, and this is, you know, where 
I think Star Wars, it kind of pulls from the Jedi. It's somewhat of a religion, so it's, it's kind of pulling from religion or the Trinity, if you will. So there's the father, son, and daughter. So they're kind of like ah. the three, they're like the three immortal uh, beings on Mortis that, that the Force you know, flows through the powerful force users, the force flows through this planet. So the final kind of battle takes place on Mortis. And again, I think a lot of people thought of this, you know, there were rumors that, um, I believe his name's Matt Smith. He was, he was one of the doctors on Doctor Who. He was supposed to be in this movie, but wasn't that he was going to play the sun. And because that, you know, he dealt with the the dagger of Morris. So if you go back, there's like three or four episodes from the animated series that kind of deals with all this stuff. But so it ultimately ended up there. So again, it's it's now tying in kind of all the previous movies before. It's tying in the animated series, and it, it sounds so well researched. Yeah, it's getting it's getting back to like the source of the the force, which is you know always something that. Um, uh, George Lucas wanted to do. I mean, his idea for the trilogy was we were going to get into the wills who were actually small uh, microorganisms that, that, that control people through the force by like traveling oh, through okay. people. So kind of getting more into like I, the midichlorians type thing that was uh, introduced in the prequels, just diving deeper into that kind of more the science behind it. I was picturing inside out. Whenever you said that, <laughs> I mean, maybe that's what it would have turned out to be. I don't know, but but it's kind of it's it's going back and it's harkening back to you know his idea of again investigating more of like where the force comes from or explaining the force more. So I, I just think it all would have been such a great tie-in this version versus again what we got, which was just some very common it searches. Seemed, it seemed like. Not it seemed like very generically Star Wars. Yeah, there's just there's just so much more conflict and and again it builds off of the Last Jedi, which w- whether you like the movie or not, you should at least build it, off of the stuff that's laid out and as opposed to just ignoring that it ever happened because that makes it worse. The fact that they just ignored the Last Jedi is, I think, one of the biggest flaws of the Rise of Skywalker. It, if they would have embraced a few things. I think it would have been a much better movie. You still could have had Palpatine, but it embraced a few of the things that were you know laid out it, from that. You know what it kind of seems to me? Like, it, it, it almost it almost views like fanfic. Like, it's very much like fan fiction. Somebody, they, they just grabbed, a, somebody wrote a story online. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff that, you mean The Rise of Skywalker? Yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff in it that, that really played to the fans. Whereas I think this had... You know, play to the fans too. You had Darth Vader. You well, had Yoda. You had. Luke, what I mean but- is, it's it doesn't seem as cultivated. It seems like there are cool ideas in the movie. There are really good quotes in the movie, but when you tie it all together and view it as one solid piece, it doesn't really stand up. It it, it kind of it has some cool pieces, but you know, it, it's 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 not fully there. Yeah, I I think again. Really would like to see this movie. I now kind of wonder how good Solo was before they yeah. got rid of Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I'm not sure why why they felt that they couldn't make this movie. Again, you know, maybe they really wanted to have 
Ben Solo come back and, and they thought, hey, we can't have him be the ultimate bad guy. But if they didn't but again, want him we, to- as we said, though, they could have had I think they could have redeemed. I think he, he could have been redeemed at the end, even if he is the big bad. Correct. But I know it's difficult if you have somebody just continually descending into darkness, then to suddenly try to bring them back. I know that that is hard because I mean, you that's don't kind really of necess- what that's kind of what happened in the Rise of Skywalker. Well, though He was descending into darkness and then all of a sudden he got stabbed and right here and he goes, OK, I guess I'm good now because but Han did, Solo talked I mean, to him. I do think that they did. They did set up. There was some conflict as well at, throughout. I mean, throughout both movies. Yeah. And I think with this thing. But then up, again, with the with the groundwork that was laid in the previous movie. It. I mean, he was conflicted there, too. Yeah. So they could have just continued that. And they lay the groundwork with Luke work like haunting him, essentially. I mean, he's constantly trying to pull him. So that pull is still there. So yeah, you still could have at the end had him been redeemed. But yeah, I mean, I'm not sure why they felt like they couldn't make him the big bad. It was set up in The Last Jedi. If they ultimately didn't want to make him the bad guy, then why kill Snoke? Yeah. You know, let Snoke live because then you have your ultimate bad guy built in right there. And then you could have had Ray and Kylo turn on Snoke, which would have been, again, much better than trying to throw Palpatine in out of nowhere. You could have had Snoke play the Palpatine role. He could have been, you know, building a secret fleet on Exegol. You could have had the the Sith um, followers, you know, there still and and... Ultimately, you know, Snoke wanted to transfer all his power to Rey because he was trying to get Kylo to, to bring Rey in to turn her. I mean, you still could have had that. So it's like if you if you wanted that and you didn't want Kylo Ren to be the ultimate villain, then you should tell Ryan Johnson Snoke has to live. <laughs> I mean, I mean, really, if, if you look at it, it just seems like that's where they went wrong. If they didn't want to make this movie as nine, then they needed to fix that one thread in eight. Which would then have made nine make a lot more sense? Could have had the exact same movie, but just replaced Palpatine with Snoke, and you're good. You leave Ray as nobody, and and I think it's a much better movie. Yeah. So yeah, that's fantastic point. But all right, so yeah, I mean, I, I think this was really interesting. Definitely let us know what you think. Which which version do you like better? Yeah, definitely check out the fan art. Yeah, yeah, check out the concept art. Um, Not fan art, sorry. Yeah, yeah check out check art. out the concept art. Um, you know, check out. Uh, Rob Burnett's video on YouTube and let let us know like would you have preferred to see this movie over The Rise of Skywalker yeah. maybe you love The Rise of Skywalker and you're like hey no I, I love it I, I don't want to see this movie or maybe there's certain things definitely let us know um, you know give us a shout out on Facebook or Instagram at Enchanted Ears Podcast on both love to hear your feedback any ideas if for future topics that you'd like us to talk about definitely let us know on there too you can also send us questions on our website enchantedearspodcast.com slash podcast question so if you have ideas for future topics or you have questions that you want us to answer or kind of cover on future shows definitely let us know there we appreciate everybody listening make sure you leave us a rating or a review subscribe wherever you get your podcast really appreciate it uh, we'll catch everybody here next week. Thanks for lending us your ears. All right, bye, everyone. Bye-bye.